Welcome to Speaking the Truth in Agape Love Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Mitchell. Welcome back, everybody, to the podcast. I'm Chad Mitchell. Got David Finch here. How you guys doing? We're excited to have another study with you this evening. Um, as we go along, as I always mention, uh, if you have any questions about what we study, we'd love to discuss it with you. Um, truth in agape love at gmail.com. You can send us an email. We'd love to discuss, have a discussion with us. And then also, if you're ever in the Blackfoot, Idaho area, we'd love to have you at worship services with us uh, Sunday at uh, 10 o'clock and worship at 11. And so uh, we'd love to have you there. Um, you can also look us up on Facebook, Truth, Speaking the Truth in Agape Love, and you can communicate with us there. And also give us a share uh, and tell your friends about it if you like, like, like our study this evening. And, of course, we have the other podcasts uh, in the books. You know, I think this is number 14 or 15. I'm not sure. I, can't, I just didn't look. Yeah, but, I think so. But, uh, anyways, we're excited. We're having fun doing this, and uh, we, we, we love having you along as we study God's Word. Uh, this Sunday we had uh, Brother David brought us a lesson on great faith, and it's kind of continuing our theme, uh, discussing with, or, you know, bringing lessons on Jesus. Okay, and so this one's about great faith, and so I think we'll just jump right in here, and uh, we're gonna read. Um, probably go ahead and read the whole text. You think? Yeah. And in Luke eight forty, and we're going to read forty through fifty six, basically focusing on a couple of miracles that Jesus performed here. Yeah, and and in here this this story, we actually get two stories in one, because as Christ was going to heal one, he ended up healing someone else along with it. So it's it's a really beautiful story but we also kind of get a glimpse into how busy the life of christ was how how we might call hectic you know it was very hectic around him all the time so let's begin luke 8 40 through 56 Um, i'm going to read the first three verses 40 through 42 and then i'm going to take a moment to to point out something, and then then I'm going to get back into it. So, uh, starting in Luke 8, verse 40. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was the, a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house, for he had only... He had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. So, here... They were crowding around him. Yeah, and and try to imagine the hopelessness that this ruler must have felt. Jairus, you know, the hopelessness. His 12-year-old daughter... Now, I have a daughter about 12 years old. She's 11. Yeah. I can't imagine how I would be feeling if she was lying sick, nearly dead. I would be, I would be a wreck. I would be, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I would be an emotional wreck. Mm-hmm. And and so you can imagine this hopelessness that he was feeling. And this was his only daughter. This was his only daughter. Now it, it doesn't mention anything about whether he had sons or not, but this was his only daughter. So even more precious, you know, not that two daughters wouldn't be the same amount of precious, but this is your only daughter, you know, and anyone that has kids, daughters act different than boys, you know? Yeah. Boys are always bouncing off the walls. Girls are a lot more lovey-dovey a little bit. So only your only daughter, you know, the only experience of, of raising a daughter and he was in such a need of a savior. And so you you can imagine how how much he wanted to fall at Jesus' feet and that needing someone to save his daughter. Another thing to point out too is he had heard, obviously, that Jesus could maybe do something. That's right. So he'd heard probably something about the powers that he's had in, in the, some of the miracles that he'd already done. And so he was running to him to 
you know, because he knew that um, he could help him probably. Yeah, Jesus could do something about it. So yeah. he sought Jesus out, you know, and as it began, as Jesus came back, you know, it's talking about as Jesus returned, he jumped in front of Christ. He yeah. made sure that he was able to get in front of Christ and bow at his feet, you know, and if you've ever been in a busy crowd, that alone is actually rather hard to do. Mm-hmm. You know, make you have to really squeeze your way through to get actually to him. It wouldn't be easy. It's not like everyone made a path for Jairus to, to come through. He he was diligent in making sure that he could get in front of Jesus. And then another thing to kind of point out, this crowd that's surrounding him, it's it's not a it's not like a busy street and he's walking through the the busy street. This crowd is there because of him, you know. So all of the focus is on him. Like, have you ever? If anyone's ever been to a concert, and everyone is there to see the man on the stage, right? Yeah. And and they are just all there. Now, They're if that thronging. man, yeah, well, if that man tried to walk through the crowd. It would be so hard if you were on the outskirts to even get near that man because they are thronging, you know, whoever it is, man or female, you know. But now imagine how much, how much more they would be thronging him if that man on the stage could actually heal you. Yeah. And everyone in the crowd needed the Savior, needed to be saved by the Savior. Yeah. So you can only imagine how... This is where words almost can't describe the the pressure that must have been around Christ. So they were thronging him. They all wanted to see Christ. And so keep that image kind of in your head as well as we get into this next part as well. Starting in verse 43 of Luke 8. It says, Now a woman, so while he, while he is heading to Jairus' house, starting in verse 43, now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all of her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you. And you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him and saying, Do not be afraid. Only believe, and she will be made well. When he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her. But he said, Do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. But he put them outside, put them all outside, took her by the hand and called, saying, Little girl, arise. Then her spirit returned, and she arose immediately. And he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Okay, so while Christ is on his way to Jairus's house, the ruler's house, someone touched the hem of his garment or mm-hmm. the border of his garment, you know, depending on what translation. Mm-hmm. And she told herself, and we see this in other accounts in Matthew. But she told herself, if I could but touch the hem of his garment, I know I can be clean. That takes a lot of faith. And also keeping in mind, 
notice here, it says that she has already spent her livelihood on doctors. She already spent all of her money. And according to Mark 5.26, which, you know, is telling of the same story, Mark 5.26 says she only got worse. So that's another thing to note, too. She spent all of our money yeah. and not at all got better. She, yeah, and Mark 5.26, and he... And he um, and had suffered many things from many physicians. She spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. That's right. And mm-hmm. that was Mark 5.26, yeah. correct? Yeah, Mark 5.26. And so spending all of her money and only getting worse. Now, me personally, I'm not the biggest fan of doctors. Yeah. And here's why. Because when I, when I got diabetes, I almost felt like a guinea pig. Yeah. Where And I moved a lot, so I went from one doctor to another, and every time I went to a new doctor, they would say, well, I don't know what that doctor was doing. We're going to do this. <laughs> and it, I kid you not, I went to three different doctors, and all three of them said the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that previous doctor did, but we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. And they all told me to do something different than all the other doctors. And I'm like, are you guys just experimenting on me? <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know... I can understand her frustrations here where all these doctors are telling her to do things, telling her to do this, telling her to do that, Well, and, and nothing's happening. It, 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 undoubtedly, the reason that this is given to us is because we all know somebody that's had a problem and can't get anyone to figure it out for them. Yeah. You know, um, in whether it's in health issues. And, and Jesus healed her just... Like that, yeah, you know, and and so that's that makes it even more. Um, I think it was something that was a very difficult problem, obviously, that no one else could get figured out, and it just was healed. That's why it was a miracle. That's right. And it, you know, we talk about miracles, and it was something miraculous, yeah, basically something that no could not be done by anyone on earth. That's right. And you know. Another good example, your dad is going through a lot of back pain right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. And he's been to doctors, and he's been to chiropractors, and mm-hmm. they've all worked on him. Finally, he got a scan of his back, realizing it's it's a little bit worse than what he was hoping and mm-hmm. still unsure about what's going to happen with him. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, even within all that, that gets frustrating. Yeah, very frustrating. You're going through all of this stuff, and... Doctors are not cheap, no. you know. I'm not saying that they were as expensive then, but well, you still have to pay a lot of money because said, they're the professionals, right? Well, so think they, about this. If you spent all your money, which she did. Yeah. So Clearly, know, they cost money. Yeah, so it, no matter. That's a lot. Absolutely. You know, if you spend all your money, that's a lot. Yeah. and it, <laughs> No it matter how matter. much money it was. <laughs> yeah, it was her livelihood. Yeah. She spent it all. Yeah. And, and not even getting any better any relief it only got worse yeah you know and so it it would even be that's even a more of a slap in the face where you didn't help at all and i still have to pay you (laughs) you know like i still have to give you my money you didn't even help you only made it worse and but uh, another thing that we have to understand about this time where and of course this was still set in the under the law of Moses. Yeah. So under the law of Moses, with this in mind, let's understand what this also meant for the woman. If you would, turn with me to Leviticus 15. Mm-hmm. We're going to look at verse 19, and verses 19, verse 19 is explaining, is explaining what a woman every month, when they have their um, monthly impurities what this means for them every month. And this is in verse 19 of Leviticus 15. So let's let's turn over there. Chad, do you want to read verse yeah. 19? Yeah, sure. So it says, um, starting verse 19 there, if a woman has a discharge and the discharge from her body is blood, she shall be set apart seven days, and whoever touches her shall be unclean until evening. Everything that she lies on during her impurity shall be unclean. Also, everything that she sits on shall be unclean. Yeah. Did I go too far? Well, yeah, I think you read verse 20 as well. Oh, I did, yeah. Which is fine. But you get a sense of of what that means to her. Like, she is considered 
unclean and she is set apart. Notice it says she shall be set apart seven days. And when a woman has a flow of blood, it typically lasts seven days. So this is what is being talked about every month as they go through this. They are considered unclean. And And even if anyone touches them, they have to wash and they are considered unclean until evening. Yeah, and then if you skip down to 25, Yeah, verse and then 25. that's where we're going to go next. Verses 20, 25 through 27. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go ahead and yeah, read that sure. as well? So uh, it says, if a woman, starting verse 25 of Leviticus 15, if a woman has a discharge of blood for many days other than at the time of her customary impurities, or if it runs beyond her usual time of impurities, all the days of her unclean discharge shall be as the days of her... Um, customary impurities she shall be unclean every bed on which she lies all the days of her discharge shall be to her as the bed of her impurities and whatever she sits on shall be unclean as the uncleanliness of her impurities whoever touches those things shall be unclean she shall wash um, his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening okay so all the days of her impurities so mm-hmm. she's had this flow of blood for 12 years. Yeah. And it is, and let me see, in verse 25. Yeah. It will be like the days of her customary impurities. Yeah. So all the days she is set apart, she is separated from. So understand that this woman, the entire Unclean time. And set aside. That's right. So not only is she struggling with her health, and this is a. You know, if you are not a woman and you have never been married, you may not understand this, but it is, it's a um, really big inconvenience for a woman, to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, there's cramps and there's pains that go along yeah. with it. And now, mm-hmm. I don't know if she was having the same kind of cramps, but this flow of blood, it's, you can't do regular things because, yeah. you know, you're going to get blood everywhere if, you, if you're not careful. Well, and I think, I think it's good to point this out because um, this is definitely how they treated it. Absolutely. But it just adds to the miracle that happened yeah. because it was so, um, it was a problem. It was such a problem that no one knew how to fix. And yep. it was a problem because it, it set her aside from everyone That's else right. apart. And so, and, and it, it, all she did was touch his garment. Yeah. And one thing that one thing that's key to point out, um, what Jesus says to her, because of your faith, that's right, you are healed. Yeah. So she had faith that, basically, I don't know if this is exactly what it means, but she had faith that he that he was God, yep. and could heal her. Yeah. Right. And not only that, another point to bring out: this is this is what makes it such great faith. She didn't jump in front of him. No. And try to like get Christ's attention, be like, you have to help me. I've done all this. And in and a way, I think maybe she was just trying to get his attention. I don't think she was intentionally she getting... Didn't, she didn't want to even bother him, it yeah, seems like. because she, she was just trying to grab his... As he was passing, passing, she says, if I could but touch the hem of his garment. Yeah. And she's saying that in herself. I yeah. know he can make me clean if mm-hmm. I but touch the hem of his garment. Mm-hmm. And so it's... As he was passing by, I, I kind of get the image, and I'm not saying this is exactly how it is, but, you know, as the crowd is thronging him, she kind of, I get the impression that she's like, gets on her knees and just touches mm, the hem yeah. of his garment to get through the crowd type of thing. I think that's and, that's and how I look at it. Yeah. Again, this is not how it's described in Scripture. I'm not saying that she yeah. got on her knees to do this. I'm yeah. just, this is my vision I see in my head. But, yeah. you know, all she wanted to do was but touch the hem of his garment. And also notice, Christ didn't see her. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that she was trying to get his attention. It wasn't that she was begging him or anything. She just knew that if she could touch the hem of his garment, she can be healed. And because of, that's what shows great faith. She yeah. wasn't trying to bother him. Yeah. You know, this is a great teacher. He's doing great work. You know, whatever. I know that all I need to do is touch the hem of his garment and I can be healed. And it, that just it elaborates how much faith she had in him. And also keeping in mind for 12 years you know she oh, yeah. couldn't she go had to the huge, temple she couldn't huge problem. she couldn't worship god in yeah. the temple or, or anything because mm-hmm. she was cast aside she was 
separated from and because of this well and you know i'm i'm thinking jesus had to deal with this a lot you remember um yeah when he had to get in the boat to get away from the people yeah and and teach to him that way yeah this is something that and you know we're given this account for a reason yeah you know so we need to try to learn from it and understand basically the power that he had you know in healing this woman and you know Every miracle that we've talked about, even on here, you know, like the blind man, mm-hmm. is something that was so miraculous. There's no way anyone else could do it, could fix it. Right. You know, and I think that's probably, you know, that's how it happened here. And, yeah. and Jesus really didn't do anything physically to heal her. It that's was right. just a miracle. And, you know, a- another thing to, to look at, Chad... For you and I, if we miss a Sunday or miss a Wednesday, you know, when, mm-hmm. when we are when we gather together to worship God and, and, and to serve Him, you miss a Wednesday or you miss a Sunday, it, it feels like a part of you miss, is missing, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're just like, mm-hmm. man, I, I didn't get my, my weekly dose of, of Christ, so to speak. Yeah. And maybe that's a bad way to put it, but, you know, you, you feel like something is missing the entire week after you miss it, right? Because you miss the connection and, and you miss doing that. So imagine having that for 12 years. Yeah, Imagine exactly. being separated for 12 years. <laughs> How? And That's a good point. When you look at the, um, the Israelites in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. how quickly they turned from God yeah. when Moses went on the mountain to, to receive yeah. the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. How quickly they had turned from God. He was up there 40 days. Yeah. 40 days. And yeah. they, they turned away from God. So 12 years, you can only imagine the hopelessness and the, you know, I can almost imagine just wishing for death because you're separated from. You have, and feeling like there's no hope at all. But yet the the faith she has in God that, I don't even need to bother the Savior. All mm-hmm. I need to do is touch the hem of his garment, and I know I can be cleansed. Yeah. And sure enough, because of her faith. But then also another thing I want to point out, in verse 48 of Luke 8, Christ calls her daughter. Yeah. Now that's not something that, that's a term of endearment that Christ doesn't just throw around. Mm-hmm. You know, like... For us, we call each other brother because we're brothers in Christ. That's yeah. not something that we throw around to everyone. Mm-hmm. That's a special connection we have together as we are children of, of God. And so that's not something that we throw around lightly. Well, he is calling her daughter, not woman. And and there's several instances where Christ calls his own mother woman, right? And so yeah. daughter, this is a term of endearment. Like, you have faith in me. You are my daughter. I am taking you in as my relative. I mean that that mm-hmm. deep connection right there that that Christ illustrates. I mean, even when you look at uh, Matthew twelve, when Jesus's mother and his brothers come to her, or not come to her, but come to Christ and, and wanting to talk to Christ, and someone goes in and tells Christ, "Hey." Your mother and your brothers are out here wanting to speak with you. In verse 48 of Matthew 12, if if you're listening in, turn over there. Mm-hmm. We'll read 48 through 50 of Matthew 12. Just to kind of illustrate that Christ does not throw these words around lightly. In verse 48 of Matthew 12, But he answered and said to the one who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand towards his disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Yeah. These are not terms that Christ uses lightly. Yeah. He will even say that even if my own mother turns away from following God, which he's not saying that she did or or his brothers turned away from God. He's not saying that. He's... He's making a point as he is the perfect teacher. Whoever follows the will of God is my mother and brother and sisters. So here when he calls her daughter, yeah. back in Matthew or uh, Luke 8, 
That's a term of endearment because of her faith, her great faith in God. Because of that, he recognizes her as family. Yeah. How beautiful that mm-hmm. is. And and a lot of times you can really kind of overlook that if if you don't recognize that Christ doesn't throw these terms around, you know. Yeah. And it's true though. I mean, it's it's definitely how we feel um because, you know, you can you can go and and worship maybe on vacation or on a on a business trip or something and worship with other Christians mm-hmm. and it doesn't take very long to feel like a brother. No. To them and or sister, you know. Um there's been many times that we've gone and, and ate with folks we don't even know that we worshiped with yeah. for the first time. And uh and so definitely it's a good point and I think it's a teaching moment for us to basically treat each other that way. Absolutely. As believers, you yeah. know. And uh, you know, we're the without faith. That's that's the next verse. Yeah, <laughs> we can all have we all have the same faith, you know. That's right. And if you have the same faith, you're brothers and sisters. Yeah, and you know we we take for granted I think too many times how blessed we are to be in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And remember Acts two forty seven, it is the Lord that adds us to His church. Mm-hmm. We don't add each other. And yeah. so when He adds us to His church, we are now brothers and sisters in Christ. And that is a huge blessing that I can't emphasize enough, right? We're, how blessed we well, are it tells to be you, a child of God. It tells you what kind of faith that this woman had. That's okay? right. You know, in, in Hebrews eleven six, we all know that one. Um, without faith, it is impossible to please him. When he t- calls her a sister, daughter. or a daughter, yeah. a daughter, it basically states, that tells us what kind of faith she had. That's right. Absolutely. That's a very good point to bring out, too. Because Jesus called him, called her his daughter. Yeah. And so that should tell us what kind of faith she had. Yeah. If nothing else, that shows... Well, and even as we go along here in the story to talk about the servant, what kind of faith did he have? Yeah. You know? Yep. And and Jairus, you know... Yeah, Jairus. He is, he is the, the ruler, and, you know... He, Jairus expresses the fact that I am not worthy that you come under my roof where, you know, I have servants. And and so the customary time in that time, if you're a master, you don't, you can't bow to someone else. And, you know, so if Christ came into his house, he would have to show the honor and respect to Christ. And it's not that he's not willing to, but almost that... Um, it's almost like a contradiction between if his servant's seen that, you know, it, it would it would have a lot of conflict. So, you know, he is the ruler of his house, but yet even as the ruler of his house, he turns to Christ and, and humbly bows before Christ. But that's why he's illustrating, I'm not worthy that you come under my roof. And and so when, when he illustrates this, um, I'm just double-checking something here. <clears throat> but when he uh, no Jairus hang on am I getting my stories mixed up here yeah okay yeah I, I am <laughs> that's the next story we were gonna look that at that was the next one <laughs> so this that's true I was I was thinking I was like wait a minute I think yeah, because we're talking about um, in <laughs> Luke. Like, in Luke, we're talking about the servant. Yeah, the the or Jairus well, with his daughter. Yeah, daughter. Yeah, yeah, Jairus with his daughter, and uh, so he's 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 seeking Christ so much in that mm. great faith where he goes out of his way to seek Christ, and then when his servant comes to him and says, "Your daughter's dead. Don't bother the the teacher anymore." Yeah, right. Don't don't bother him because there's no point. You know, in Matthew 5:18, which is again the same story of what's going on here, it's just according to Matthew's account. Matthew 9, it's not 8, Matthew 9 verse 18. It says, uh, while he spoke these things to them, behold a ruler came and worshiped him saying, "My daughter has just died." 
but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. Now, understand these two accounts. So in Luke, Luke 8, it is, it's expressing that his daughter was nearing death. And yeah. so he sought out Christ. Yeah. Here in Matthew 9, it says that, that um, his daughter has already died. Now, understand, these two accounts don't contradict one another, but rather complement one another. Yeah. Where even after she died, Jairus still turns to Christ. That's the great faith that he has, knowing that Christ can bring her back from the dead. Well, in verse 22, did you read that? Where Jesus said, be of good cheer, your daughter. Um, be cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. Is that Matthew 9? No. Uh, yeah, uh, Matthew 9. Matthew 9, 22? 22, yeah. Yeah, can you, can you read that for yeah. me? Yeah. So uh, Matthew 9, 22 says, But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, this is the woman touching him, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. Oh yeah, so it's I, talking I, about the woman, not the girl. Yeah, I think we're we're mixing our um, our stories together, um, because you're right, and, and yes, we did talk about that actually with with the uh, the woman with the flow of blood for twelve years. He says, "Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well." Mm -hmm. That is Christ telling her that because of her faith, because of her great faith in in mm -hmm. Him, that she is made well, and and that's such a great example for us today when we have faith in god and this great faith in believing in his word yeah and only his word having that great faith that and trust that what he has promised he is faithful he has promised us eternal life if we do this and so we have great faith when we continue to show to be faithful to the lord and doing only what he asks and getting rid of all the stuff that we're doing in our life, um, being willing to give that up for the sake of Christ. And, and so here with, uh, Jairus, he is still, even after knowing that his daughter is dead, he still has faith that Christ can heal her. And that is such, such a beautiful point that we need to bring out. Mm -hmm. He still has faith that God can bring her back. And then when you look, um, when when Christ comes to the house, in Luke 8.53, after Christ tells him, hey, don't mourn, she's only, she's yeah. only sleeping, she's not dead. Mm -hmm. You know, the King James Version in Luke 8.53 says that, they laughed him to scorn. Mm -hmm. So they went from mourning, from crying, to mocking Christ. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> I, I don't want to um, pick on the crowd, but, you know, as, as, yeah. as you know when someone's dead, they don't have a pulse anymore, right? No. You're like, clearly they're dead. So they, they laugh at him because they're like, they're thinking to themselves that, well, clearly you don't understand what's, what's going on. She's dead. She has no breath in her anymore. Yeah. And without breath, there's no life. And so, yeah, she's dead. I mean, and so it, you can kind of see from the crowd's point of view why they left. They're like, yeah, you don't know what's going on. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, know? because it's not, not anything that ever happens. If right. someone's dead, they're dead. That's yeah, it. Exactly. And so after that, he sends the crowd out and he... He just says, arise. All he, all he says to the girl is, arise. Little girl, arise. And from that, she arose. Mm -hmm. Now that, how effortless that was for Christ. You know, he didn't have to parade around the room and, and make this big spectacle and, and make this big deal. You know, it was so effortless. Christ grabbed her hand and said, Arise, get up. And it says immediately, in verse, uh, in verse 55, immediately she got up. Immediately she arose. Yeah. How beautiful is that? And that's... I like, is, the, I like the report in Matthew um, 9. Says, yeah, go there. It says... Uh, he, he, 
um, Matthew nine twenty four. He said to them, "Make room for the girl is not dead, but s- sleeping." And they ridiculed him. But when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went out into all that land. Yeah. So it's you know, and that's the thing. It seems like as we march through um, Jesus's miracles here, it's just one after another because. If you keep going, it says, when Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him. Um, so he just goes right on yeah. from one to the next. And we have an account we're going to read of one, Matthew 8, 5 through 13. Yeah. Uh, this backing up a little bit, but it's another story, another miracle that uh, right. was, was performed. Yeah. And bringing someone back from the dead. And, and notice here, at the end of verse 56 of Luke 8, you know, the, the same story, you said that uh, at the end of Matthew, I just caught this. How does it end that um, he word went, spread out? Uh, it says, and the report of this went out into all that land. Yeah, and at the end of, of verse 56, it says, Christ charged them to tell no one what had happened. Yeah. Now, understand. It'd be one of those things that you would have a hard time oh, to be like. It'd be like whenever you find something out, you're like, okay, you're not supposed to know this, but yeah, you know how well, like someone loses their job and you're like, hey, no one knows yet, so don't say anything. Or if you <laughs> say something, it didn't come from me. Yeah. And before long, everyone knows, but no one's supposed to know. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> but also notice all the people that Christ already sent out that was mourning her. Mm-hmm. They could have been the one to say it because Christ commanded the parents not to say anything. He charged them not mm-hmm. to tell anyone what mm-hmm. had happened. But and people may ask, why? Why would Christ um, not want them to know? I think it's because he didn't, because it's something so miraculous that it's going to attract too many people, too That's much attention. That's exactly right. And yeah. the crowd is already thronging him. He's already him. dealing with this. He's already dealing with it. And mm-hmm. like you brought out, right after this, he, he goes on and and cures more or cast out demons or, or cures diseases or, or whatever the case <laughs> is. The busyness of Christ's life, how blessed we are to have such a loving Savior. Yeah, and, and remember, the account of it. He is here doing this for us. You know, this, this is Him curing people and all that stuff. That is, that is a byproduct of why He's here. He is illustrating to people that I am the Savior. That's the main point behind it. I bring the Word of God. I am the Word of God. Listen to me. And here's the proof. You know, it's almost like these miracles he's performing is the proof that he is from God. That it's not almost. That's exactly why he's doing it. To prove he's from God. Yeah, I gotta I gotta read on. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna derails a little not too much that's good though but if you keep going in matthew here matthew 9 about the blind man i just read ahead here and it's <laughs> it really is relevant because here he says um you know don't tell anyone this so immediately leaves there after the report went out to all that land starting in verse 27 when jesus departed from there two blind men followed him crying out and saying son of david have mercy on us. And and when he had come into the house, the the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they, they said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, saying, See that no one knows it. So he's telling them, See that no one knows it. But when they had departed... They spread the news about him in all that country. <laughs> That's right. Because you, you, can't, you can't stop. And well, I, here's the thing. You've been blind your whole life, and all of a sudden you can see what happened. Yeah. You know, how are you going to explain that? And I, it makes me think just real quick of uh, we all have someone in our life or that we've worked with that if you want everyone to know something, just tell them, and everyone's going to know. <laughs> yeah. Okay? But we also have those people that we could tell that aren't going to tell anyone that will be quiet about it. Yeah. But most of the time, it's like, well, if you want everyone to know, tell so-and-so, whatever. I, yeah, I heard you know? there I think it was on a movie one time. I was watching a movie, and he's like, he's like in the small town, he's like, we didn't, uh, if we had a problem, we just told Jimmy, and it wasn't a problem anymore. Yeah, exactly. And they're, they're like, and she's like, why? He's like, 
Well, because if you tell him, he'll tell everyone, and then it's everyone no longer knows. a problem. It's no longer a problem. <laughs> everyone everyone knows, knows it's no problem. That's right. But you think it's kind of a, a play on words when Christ says, see that no one knows? Mm-hmm. They were blind men, and now they see, and he said, see that no one knows. I just kind of thought about that. Well, it's kind of a play on true. words almost. But it's true, but you know, he kept telling them this, but it was kind of one of those things that's impossible to hide. Yeah. I mean, are the blind guys going to act like they're blind still? Well, you know, yeah, and, yeah, exactly. And and even the, you know, all of them. Yeah. I mean, I thought your daughter died. Well, this guy came and healed her. That's right. Yeah. What are you going to say? You know, and, but you know, this, this is a really good, uh, a good point to bring out that these blind men even knew of the Lord. They didn't see his miracles being performed. Clearly they couldn't see him being performed, No, but they heard about him. Yeah. They, and so you can also imagine the fame of Christ in the region. The, the fame of Jesus spread throughout all of the regions because of what he's doing. And so this is why they had faith in Christ, because they heard, they heard of it. him. They didn't see it. They heard it. They couldn't have seen him, so they and heard And obviously they had the faith because he says, according to your faith, let it be to you. That's right. And, uh, and sure enough, they were healed because they believed it. Yeah. And, you know, that's, I just thought it was funny how Christ says, see that you say no. Well, and, and in <laughs> verse 30, no it says, one. and their eyes were open, and Jesus sternly warned them. Yeah. But it was saying, so Jesus It's kind of interesting keep, yeah. that he sternly warned them, yet they still yeah. went out and spread the news about him in all this country. So, yeah. let me ask you this. Did they spread the news that they, he healed them, or did they spread the news about Jesus, the Savior? I would say that they spread the news about his their eyes. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, because that's the way I look at it. But I just thought of it. Well, and I don't know if they walked with if blind men in that time walked with sticks like the, they do now. But I, I think regardless, you know when they're blind just by looking at them. If they're walking down the street, you know they're going to be blind by something they're doing, whether holding on to the wall or. Something I don't really know what well, they did, but and to, now they're no longer doing that. Could we look at it this way? Um, you know, it spread the news about Jesus, which is what Jesus needed. What was the What was the purpose of a miracle? To, it's prove, to he was, prove that he's from God. That's right. And so, in a way, it proved that, mm-hmm. and they spread that proof. Yeah, you know, so it was almost doing what it was intended to the miracle was spreading the news about his being from God. Yeah. You know, absolutely. But I also think it's, it could have been misconstrued though. Yeah. He he told them not to speak because he still had more work in that area to do. That's right. And he knew he needed to. And if the news spread, then he would be pushed out of the city. Yeah. We, we see that at the end of Mark chapter one, where he, he was actually pushed to the outskirts of the town. And Mm -hmm. you were bringing up this up, uh, earlier in our discussion, how he had to get on the boat oh, and sure. continue talking to them, but it was because of the crowd he couldn't stand on the shore side because they were thronging him too, yeah. too much, and so he had to get on a boat where he could separate himself from them and still talk to him. Well, and it, it makes me think even today some celebrities have the same problem. Oh yeah, you know, uh, you think back. Uh, Princess Diana was killed by um, running from the press. Yeah. From the paparazzi. Yeah. Um, and so anyone famous, I mean... They're almost ruthless. Well, I mean, just imagine Garth Brooks comes to town. Before long, it, like if Garth came and, you know, he sings about dive bars or whatever. Yeah. Say he's at a bar in town. You're going to have everyone in this city flood that place. Absolutely. And there's not room for him. Yeah. You know, and so it's kind of like Jesus was becoming too famous because of what the work he was doing yeah and and it and it was causing uh logistical problems you know yeah you know he he couldn't do his work that he was put on earth to do yeah and so you know i mean it's like uh anytime someone famous um travels the country it's in an unmarked bus okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) absolutely they don't want their name on it because you're gonna get people following them yeah you know so I don't know, just some thoughts that I'm thinking as we go through this study. Because that is a good point, you know, where 
because a lot of people ask the question, why would he tell him not to say anything? I've always wondered that. But and he, he, he wouldn't be able to do the work that he needed to do. And then it tells us that they, that they didn't do it. They weren't right. able to keep the secret yeah. or whatever. But, you know, and then when he went to Decapolis and the he cast out the, the legion of sure. unclean spirits mm-hmm. and they went into the swine and went down the steep and they all died. Yeah. One of the men came to Christ and said, I want to come with you. And Christ said, go back to your hometown and spread the news of what happened here. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't that Christ didn't want him to come. There was a purpose for that man to stay behind. You know, we can get into a a whole other subsection from this, but he did exactly what Christ had him do, what Christ wanted him to do, which was spread the news about him. And then later on, because if you recall how that ended, was they actually told Christ to leave. Because their entire livelihood, these mini swine just died. You know, that's their livelihood. I think. Please leave because you're killing my livelihood. <laughs> you know, and so yeah. the town asked Christ to leave. But then later on, Christ is able to come back because of that one man yeah. spreading the news about him. Mm-hmm. I'd like to back up just one yeah. one bit here to the, uh, the blind man because you brought out a point that I think is really important. These blind men couldn't see what happened. Mm-hmm. They just heard it. Yeah. And and you brought you um, brought up a Hebrews 11.1. 1. Yeah. 11.1. Uh, it says, 1. says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Yeah. These blind men basically believed the same way we do today. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yep. And so it, the, 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 our faith is off our belief, you know, believing of things not seen, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We are, we are focused on the evidence. Yeah. Okay? Um, I did a class with the kids a few years ago, um, and, and basically to prove that the, that the Bible was real or was true, you treat it just like a courtroom would today, okay? Yeah. Say an accident happens or something. The first thing they do is see if they can find some eyewitnesses. Okay? And they write them all down. Well, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are our eyewitness accounts. Very good point. They're eyewitnesses. Yeah. They wrote it down. There are similarities in them of Jesus' life, but they're different. You know, we just read two of them of the same account. Yeah. And there's there's differences there, but you can still tell that it's an eyewitness account. And it's coming from different viewpoints yeah. of the story. That's right. And, Absolutely. And, and, if, and in an accident, if, if someone didn't see the accident, you don't want to talk to them. Right. They're, they're not going to have anything. Even if they heard from somebody else what they think happened, you don't want to talk to that person. You want to talk to the person who's seen it. That's right. And, and so in a way, that's, that's what we're doing is we're reading these accounts of the eyewitness yeah. eyewitness of what's happened and even you know we're reading these accounts that matthew mark and luke are giving us of these miracles and these things that happened yeah and they all relate so you can basically conclude that it happened because you have four people saying the same thing yeah so it must have happened and they don't contradict one another and they don't contradict one another yep. and and so basically we can put our faith in it the same way that the blind men did. That's right. Those blind men, I'm sure, heard from several people. Oh, what I happened? can only what imagine. Happened? What happened? And they probably told them, and they heard it from more than one person. Yeah. Just like we do, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Yep. And and uh, they put their they could put their faith in it. That's right. And we can do the same thing, right? You see Absolutely. where I'm going? Oh yeah. I mean, it makes so much sense when you really think about it. We're reading these eyewitness accounts. The thing is, it, and it's been preserved for us for how many years? Mm-hmm. Who was who was behind that? Yeah, <laughs> preserving it. That's right for us. You the know? Holy Spirit. Yeah, and so, uh, boy, I just think it's a great faith builder for us to really point this out. I 
That is a really good point to bring out. This really didn't hit me until we read this, and this wasn't even in the lesson. Yeah. (laughs) But the blind man, because he says in verse 27, when Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him. They followed him. Yeah. They had heard what had happened. I'm sure someone else, there was people that kind of told him, hey, what's going on up there? What's going on up there? And these eyewitnesses told him what had happened. They believed Hey, we got to go find this guy. You yeah. know, maybe he can help us. That brings out another good point too. How did they follow him? I don't know. They were They're blind. blind. <laughs> I know. That's a really good it, point because you're like, but it, it. I guess it really doesn't matter because it doesn't tell us. But they made sure that they followed Christ. Well, and it says they were crying out. Yeah, that's they right. Were crying out, screaming hey, out to him. Hey, hey, Jesus. Hey, you know, son uh, of David. Son please. of David. Hey, come and help us. You know. Yeah. And so they were fleeing after him. Based off what an eyewitness probably told him. Of course, they, they may have heard some of it go down. Yeah. But they couldn't see it. Yep. You know? And this, this also brings out another side of Christ that we see. Now, when you, when you recognize how busy he was all of the time. Yeah. You know, when, when you have some celebrities, um, I'm not going to name anybody, but you, you... I named Garth Brooks. Well, I know, but... <laughs> I don't know how he is in his personal life, but when, when like the paparazzi follow him or yeah. somebody meets him on the street, there's a lot of celebrities that are very rude. Oh, sure. And But you can almost understand. They get sick of everyone coming oh, yeah. up to him. Like, you know, you, you have shots from the paparazzi where they always have like a hat on, glasses, yeah. trying to disguise themselves so nobody sees them. And, and you know, they're like in sweats because they be just very... don't want to... I think it'd be very difficult for us to understand what that's like because yeah. I don't know. I'm not famous. Nobody cares when I come to town. No, nobody's <laughs> nobody <laughs> cares. You know, they're not they're not laying out the red carpet for you and I, David. That's right. But you know, you can almost imagine why they're they're so sick of the the um, everyone coming to them. You know, I like if I put myself in in the shoes of Christ and everyone was always around me all of the time, I'd get so sick of it. Yeah. Leave me alone, man. I'm done. Leave me alone. Like, Christ never does that. His love is, is always shown. Well, and the thing is, he got chased down by these two guys. Did he ignore them? No. No. Yeah. He, he, he talked to them and helped them. Yeah. Oh, and Wait, that brings out another need? good point, too. So he didn't just push them away. He helped them. Yeah. And, you know, a celebrity, if you call out their name, they're going to run. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're not going to turn around. Hi. No. Well, they, and if you've ever been around someone famous that's saying... Um, you know, uh, autographs or whatever that they could, they can spend hours and hours and hours doing that. It would get old. It does. So if you, if they do address them, it's a pain because they're never going to get out of there. Yeah. You know? And, and so anyways, yeah, but you, you see the love of Christ and his compassion for these men and, and not just for these men, but this is something that, Christ always did. He always showed compassion on the the multitudes and compassion to them, always wanting to be there for them. And that's just something. Well, that, and another thing too to think about is um, with the verse writ, uh, that tells us that many other things happened that aren't written here. Yeah, John twenty. Um, I'm not exactly sure what uh, verse, but I know it's John but, twenty. But think about all the things that happened that we don't know about. We can That's only what imagine. I yeah. think of. Oh yeah. And 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 so this has just been an account given to us. And how, how much, many more times right. did it happen to him? And how many more times do we not read about how many times the the multitudes just thronged him? Mm-hmm. Like man, I don't like going to a um concert or places where i know a lot of people are going to be because i don't i don't like the crowds there was always a crowd around him he didn't have a choice and so like for me i would be so sick of that all the time and you know but it wasn't just that he was walking through this crowd it was Mm -hmm. that the crowd was there because of him yeah john 20 verse 30 thank you I was going slowly because I was trying to talk John while I looked. John 20, verse 30, basically, I think this is the one you're looking for. Absolutely. It says, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written 
um, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. That's right. So the thing, and I point this out a lot because uh, when we're studying these accounts, I always in the back of my mind think we're given this for a reason. Yeah. This account is given us for our learning, for us to understand. So pay attention. Yeah. Because there's many others that weren't given to us. Yeah. And Isn't you that know, something? Absolutely. And, and Chad, how many times, like for right now, I've never actually, as I'm looking at that, I've never actually thought about what it must be like through the eyes of Christ. Yeah. What it must be like to always be going through these crowds. Man, it would be exhausting. Mm. It would be so exhausting. Like when he, when you understand that, you can understand why he sent the disciples ahead of him in the boat, and then he sent the multitude away so he could go up on the mountain and pray. You understand why he's doing that, because they're always thronging him. Well, and, and it's understanding, too. Like, I don't, I don't mean to compare him to famous people today, you know? Yeah. I'm just thinking about what happens to famous people. But Jesus has, in the things that he was doing, was is the m- most... Um, the the most I want to say like awesome thing, yeah, that could ever happen to anyone or that anyone could ever do, right? And I mean, he wasn't doing it to be famous, yeah. He was doing it to prove God's power, yeah, and strength, you and know? God's love, and I, His love, His yeah. love is shown mm-hmm. because He only did the will of His Father, and it like, basically teaches us to build on our faith, yeah. And you know, he, you know, we talk about celebrities, but. I'm sure it's nothing compared to what Christ is, but that's just to help us kind of get to understand, because you can truly understand that if Garth Brooks came to town or he was walking (laughs) down the street or something like that, how many people would be thronging him? Yeah. Well, if Garth came to town, he'd be at my house anyway, so. That's right. (laughs) You know, and what's funny is I actually had a friend um, I was working with in, in Wyoming. I was working construction there, and he was telling me that his mother actually knew Garth Brooks, and she he actually went to her house, and he actually got to go over there and hang out with Garth Brooks. Yeah. I was like, dude, that's amazing. Yeah. I don't even listen to country, and I want to see Garth Brooks. Well, well listen to this, though. Think about this. We, we want to meet people famous. We think it's so cool to meet that's people right. that are famous. What do we get out of it? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Do we get... We don't get anything that Jesus gives us, you know? That's right. And, and yeah, I love... I would love to... It would be so cool to do that. But what are we going to do? We're going to post a picture on Facebook, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and then what? A story to tell a our kids. A story to tell our kids. <laughs> yeah, I met Garth Brooks, you know? Remember that time? But but, but it, it, is it benefit us? No. It, it doesn't benefit us at all. No. There's way more benefit in Christ and the example that's he's right. given us. And that's why, you know, the crowd, we can't even fathom how how much this crowd is thronging him through these stories. Like when yeah. it talks about him, the crowd thronging him, I don't think we can understand how much, how much the people are actually crowding him. Like that's to say they're crowding him is an understatement. Mm-hmm. You know, like they, I can't see Christ even being able to walk through the crowd, but also that's why Christ many times says, don't tell anyone yeah. because mm-hmm. look, I got more work to do here and, yeah. If you tell everyone, I won't be able to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot more people that need help. Well, and the thing is, every time Jesus was faced with something that was a hindrance, he performed miracles. I mean, think about the time that he dispersed through the crowd. Yeah. Remember? I mean, he just disappeared. Yeah. He walked right through Walked him. through the crowd when they were trying to stone him. Yeah. That happened actually more than once. But and that- so Jesus... You know, he it wasn't his time. He had a plan. Yep. And so anytime it was a problem, it wasn't a problem. He Sure, he was trying to prevent it. But if if he was backed in a corner, no big deal. He's Jesus. That's right. He, he just walked right through the crowd. Yeah. And when, the, when they picked up stones to try to throw at him. Yeah. You know, and I've used this illustration in my lesson, you know, uh, a long time ago. But if somebody wants to... To pick up rocks and throw at you, mm-hmm. and you need to walk through them, there is no way they're not going to hit you. <laughs> yeah. You may be able to dodge one or two rocks, sure. but you're going to get hit and you're going to get hurt mm-hmm. severely, if not dead. Yeah. You know, and so 
but they couldn't even touch him. Mm-hmm. And again, that just shows the, the miracles and the, the power of God. How did they not touch him? How did they not actually be able to throw those rocks at him? Mm-hmm. That's the that's the work of the Lord, you know. And so, well, and see, that's the thing. Sure, it was a problem, but it wasn't. That's right. Jesus did, you know, and 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 even there was a following created that that was a problem, but it wasn't because yeah. Jesus just dealt with it. Yeah, you know, and. And so, and his willingness to deal with it. I, I think that's what I was trying to bring out. Okay. His willingness yeah, to deal absolutely. with it. He dealt because with it. Because he, he loved, he has a love for the people. It, and and it, it wasn't a problem for him. That's right. How blessed we are that he was willing to go through all this for us. Yeah. And There's, I think that's, that's a great place to stop. I think yeah, it's about time, right? It is. We're close. We got, we're pretty much out. I just wanted to read something real yes. quick. So, Hebrews 10. Because I think um, this this kind of can sum it up for us. Hebrews ten twenty two and twenty three. Oh yeah. Hebrews ten twenty two through twenty three says, "Let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised his faith." He who promised is faithful. That's right. Um, and and I think it's just hold fast your confession. Yeah. You know we're like those blind men. We didn't. We don't see it, but we know that Jesus can save us. And what do we need saved from? Our Sin. sins. Our sin. Well, and everyone we talked about, you know, they drew near to God with a true heart. Yeah. With full faith. Yeah. And that's exactly how we need to come to the Lord. Oh, man, We yeah. need to come to Him with a true heart mm-hmm. of, of full assurance of faith. Full, yeah. Knowing that He is faithful. Mm-hmm. And He made a promise to us. He will keep His promise as long as we hold fast to Him. That's right. He will. Very good point. Okay. Well, uh, we. I hope you've enjoyed our study. I've certainly enjoyed it. I know David has, too. Absolutely. And uh, we, we appreciate you being with us. And we will look forward to studying with you next week. Thank you, guys. See ya.